I'll, I'll get something to cheer Joe up next week. That's my new goal for this week is just to talk about a topic that he will respond positively to. Best of luck. I would, I would enjoy that, yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast, your Augusta County sports. I'm Leland McRae. Joe Deck is with me like normal. And uh, we subbing in here a little re-record because news broke late Tuesday that Coach Gale of the Stewart's Draft Boys basketball fame is now going to be the athletic director down at Rockbridge High School. And um, good for him. It was something he's wanting to do in his career. But surprising news that a, uh, a good coach in the area is going to be giving up the gig at Stewart's Draft there. Yeah, um, he, it's kind of interesting that he leaves. But again, it's a promotion for him. He's going to be yeah, an AD him. instead yeah. of a head coach. So it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and he's going to go to Rockbridge. So hopefully uh, he'll enjoy his time there. And uh, like you said, I think a, a coach that's going to come in is going to get a pretty good basketball team. Um, obviously, the first question that comes to mind is, does the new coach continue this ridiculous kind of press and shoot threes all the time offense and uh, press defense. I don't know. Um, You and I have argued whether that is a sound strategy at all times versus most times. Um, I think most times it works. Obviously they, the argument you is you saying that they need to stop this at certain times and me telling you, they're not gonna. <laughs> it's yeah. not really an argument of it's the, if it's the best or not from me. I just have seen Coach Gale do that for so many years now and seen him be in situations where you would think he'd come out of it, and he doesn't. And so, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it continues. Um, I think you – I mean, you start making that conversation, you start talking about, well, who's going to be in this spot? Right. You look at Jeff Blaylock, the current assistant. You look at Jeff Templeton, the current JV coach, who I think is an interesting guy to watch here – is Brad DeWitt. He is the girls varsity head coach at Stewart's Draft. He had a lot of experience at Waynesboro coaching underneath his dad, uh, Coach DeWitt there at Waynesboro. I'd be interested if they don't look in-house and, and maybe restructure and see what's going on, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Brad DeWitt winds up in that spot. But it'll be interesting to see whoever it is, whether it's one of these guys, one of the Jeffs that are in that spot, continue coaching the style that they've been on the staff coaching, or will Brad DeWitt come over? Will he will he turn to that style or will he, you know, make it his own? But I know, you know, Steve Hartley has a big decision there. I know Nickham there. I mean, they those guys are gonna have a big decision here on a successful basketball program. You know, as crazy as their offense is, they every year competed. And, oh, yeah. and that's and what this that year style they were created for them. State semifinals this year. So I mean very yeah, successful season. Hmm? Yeah. Quarterfinals. Quarterfinals. But yeah. Oh, you're right. It was a quarterfinal, yep. But still, that, I mean, that was deeper than Stewart's draft had ever gone. And, mm-hmm. and what a better time if you're going to, you know, this is a, a move that Coach Gale had been looking to make, looking for the right opportunity to go into administration. You know, kind of a nice time. You know, you take that basketball team further than it's ever been before uh, to the state playoffs. Um, obviously, you were up against, you know, the state champion caliber John Marshall team there. And so that was a tough road. But still, you, you optimized what you could do with that team. And if your goal was to move on at some point in the near future, why not do it after a great run and uh, kind of leave on a high note? And uh, 
so yeah, I mean, congratulations to him. I think Rockbridge is getting a good guy. He's a, I think I believe a Fort Defiance graduate. He's he coached at Fort. I think he coached at or taught at the middle school, I believe, too at Stewart's Draft. He was coaching the golf team as well. So I mean, it's a big hole for Stewart's Draft community, but. Rockbridge is getting a good guy and a guy that knows the Valley District. You know, it would, between his time at Fort Defiance, coming up through Fort, um, coaching there, I think, for a time, and then also Stuart Straff's been in and out of the Valley District. He knows the Valley District, so he knows um, what they're up against and, and then the quality of program it takes um, to compete in the Valley District. So he'll be right at home there, and, and he'll still be coming into a lot of the local gyms that we're all familiar with. Right. Um, you know, my time with Coach Gale has been very small, comparative. Um, I've only got to know him here the past few years and, but I, you know, he seems like a great guy. Uh, when we talk to him, he always makes time to talk to us, uh, when we're covering a Stewart's draft game for radio. And I know that I appreciate that because I know coaches don't have to do that. I mean, they could very easily say, Hey, I'm too busy to do this. Uh, and you know, that, yeah. that would be fine, but he's always made time to talk to us and I've always appreciated that. And again, uh, it, it's hard it's to argue what he's built there. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to argue what he's built yeah. there is anything but a success because he has taken that Stewart's draft program. And like you said, he got him to a state quarterfinal uh, and, and now he's going to go be an AD at Rockbridge. And uh, you know, again, that's a different set of challenges to be an AD, but as you said, that it appears that that's a set of challenges that coach Gale has been looking for for a while. So now he's going to be athletic director Gale and uh, we wish him the best of luck at Rockbridge and, uh, we wish Stuart Straff the best of luck in replacing that coaching vacancy or coaching vacancies uh, if, you know, they go in-house and then have to replace another head coach to fill that head coach vacancy. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And I, I don't know anything about if Brad DeWitt is actually a legitimate choice. Well, that I or any of the, uh, any of the uh, yeah, I have no idea. I'm hires, just saying right. names of people that make sense. I think it makes sense that Brad DeWitt um, be thought of. But, you know, maybe he's happy with what he's doing there. That I mean, they've had a good success on the girls' side. Um, the, uh, the one thing I want to poke in here, uh, I, my daughter played basketball at YMCA in the little dribblers with coach Gale's son, coach Gale's son here in about 10 years. Watch out for that kid. He was shooting lights out at like age four or five. Like he was just draining them. So I, I expect to see coach Gale's son lighten up the Valley district, uh, someday and the rock the uh, ribbon down, tournament down the road with that kid's gonna, that kid's a shooter. <laughs> yeah, rock the ribbon tournament there in Lexington. Sometimes, I mean, we got ten years. We'll we'll see what's going on then. But yeah. that kid's going to be good at basketball. All right, let's move it over to the other big news of the week. The VHSL finally went official with uh, canceling the spring sports. They had previously said, you know, we're holding out hope. Uh, hope things get better. Try to get this thing, get something going um, late in the season or into the summer. And I think you and I called it the moment they said that, like, yeah, that, that ain't going to happen. And, and we were right. Uh, it stinks that we were right, but we were right. And spring sports are, sports are canceled. Yeah, we had Patrick Hyde on that week, and we kind of asked him, you know, what is his, what are his thoughts? And he kind of agreed with us, too. Uh, he said, I just don't see a path where that happens. Uh, it's a logistical nightmare. And for all those reasons, the fact that the coronavirus hasn't gone away, uh, it's still there. We still don't have a vaccine. We still don't have you know, a reliable treatment to use that's readily available to the public. So for all those reasons, you can't have spring sports. You can't try to play them. And I know one of the popular arguments for a lot of these people are, well, if I can go to a grocery store or a Walmart and it's slammed full of people, why can't I go to a baseball game and we'll, we'll social distance? No, you won't. Um, 
one, no, you won't, because we've seen it time and time again that people just can't be trusted to do that. Anytime you go and they reopen beaches or something, you just see beaches slammed full of people and they're shoulder to shoulder. So if you open up baseball parks, I'm sorry, I'm not trusting the people who think we should open up all the way to social distance. They, they've proven time and time again that they're actually not going to do that. We can't be trusted as a society to do that because we've proven that we can't do it. We can't be trusted to do it. And also, um, if you don't understand the difference between going to watch a baseball game versus going to the grocery store to get food, I can't help you. You're already a lost cause. The public school system failed you already, and I'm sorry that that happened, but you're not a rational human being if you think these two things are equal. I, I think the one thing that I draw a lot from that, too, I think the VHSL is probably protecting some of these schools from themselves. Because as soon as you say you can have something or there's a little bit of room to do something, the, the kids are going to feel pressure to be at these events, to be in the off-season conditioning, to be at practices, to be at games. And whether it's safe to or not, they're going to they're gonna feel that pressure to be there. So it's just easy across the board, say no spring sports, and, and, and also acknowledge that they have future decisions to make here looking forward. And I think it's good that the VHSL is keeping it in their hands rather than let, you know, passing it off to the regions or districts or individual schools just to make it an even playing field, make it safe for everybody. And that's what Billy Hahn said, uh, Dr. Billy Hahn said, you know, this quote here, and I think this reads to the future, any options for the spring sports season will require that COVID-19 no longer be a threat and pose no health risks to our student athletes or to the public. Sadly, the situation has not changed and has made it impossible to have spring sports season without people putting people at risk. So there's the obvious statement for the spring. But if you read that, you know, he's saying no longer pose a threat. I, I don't know how we're going to be in a position in the fall or before the fall to be ready to play sports in the fall where this virus isn't posing a threat to student athletes or the fans. So it, I think that statement right there just reinforces my, our, both of our worry that even fall sports are going to be able to happen this year. And I think people need to wrap their heads around that, that it's, I mean, I would almost say it's, it's a lot more likely that we're not having fall sports than we are based on that kind of statement here at the beginning of May. And so I, I just hope people are ready for that. I know we're, we're getting mentally prepared for it ourselves and it's not fun to think about, but it it's, might just be what's best for society and everybody and the community and make sure everybody just stays healthy. Yeah. And, and again, it's just, it is frustrating because yeah. you see the amount of people that just don't pay attention and don't, listen or don't take this seriously and it's frustrating um i tend to get my information from doctors medical experts people who are going to be more knowledgeable than me on this some people choose to get it from youtube or social media which is an interesting choice it's or, a dumb choice on facebook yeah <laughs> yeah, it's a dumb choice. Um, I'll just come out and say it. It's a dumb choice. And so for those people, again, we can't help them. They're not rational. You can't have a conversation with them about it. Uh, and it, again, I know people are going to say, look, if you're scared, stay inside and let people who aren't scared go out to work. Okay, well, the problem is it's not just you 
that we have to worry about. It's everyone. We're all in this together. It's called a social contract. It's the social contract that everybody t- agrees to when they form a society. And so it's the we, not the me. And I'm sorry if you have to stay inside or if you don't get sports or you can't get a haircut whenever you want. I'm sorry. That sucks. But if that's the biggest difficulty you have in life, why don't you just look at that and say, wow, I'm pretty blessed that that's what I have to worry about. And I don't have to worry about being hooked up to a ventilator and dying because of this. Because that's what some other people are having to go through. And again, it's not just old people or just people with underlying health conditions that end up hooked up to a ventilator on this. It can happen to young people, which again, hey, guess what high school athletes are? They're young people. And if this happens to them, and some of them have asthma, some of them have underlying health conditions and still are able to play sports, but if they play sports and then they get this, they're in the hospital and they're fighting for their life. And I think that's a really, really dumb thing to put a kid through just because some 40-year-old dude wants to go out and watch high school kids play or whatever. I think it's a really, really dumb stance to take publicly. Some people are very comfortable in their ignorance, and that's fine. I just think you need to step back and realize when you haven't been able to open up the economy and people's jobs, there is no way, zero way, you are going to be able to have sports. You and I love sports, but sports is the last thing that needs to open up in this society. Yeah, job, jobs for everybody needs to come first, and, and that's what we're struggling to get through right now. Um, so, yeah, sports is on the back burner, especially local youth sports just doesn't need to be a priority. We miss it, and it stinks. And if it takes away potential seasons for, um, you know, seniors, and I mean, even even underclassmen missing a year is, is stinks, but it's secondary. Health and safety matters more. And I think that's what the VHSL is making a wise decision here, putting it on them. They're going to meet again on June 25th to discuss out-of-season practice and then, you know, touch on the fall. Um, let's see if they make a decision then about the fall or not. But uh, it'll, it's an interesting time here. I, I think what the, uh, the sports, the higher sports, pro, college, uh, I think all that, you just need to be kind of watching those between now and then on how they're handling the, the future plans to give you a little bit of an indication what the VHSL is going to do. And don't be surprised if the VHSL is a little more conservative. And uh, if, if they are, I, my point of view is good on them. I, I think that's the right call. Let's not put yeah, these local know. small communities at risk for something that, that in, the long, in the long term does not matter. You have to protect people from themselves. You have to protect society and the health of the students before you worry about something like sports. Yes, we all love sports. That's why we're here. But you have to protect people from themselves. And again, while you and I love sports, and there's a lot of people who love sports, and the people in the VHSL obviously love sports, otherwise they wouldn't be taking as much time of their day, their days and their jobs to organize high school sports for these young athletes, they realize that there are some things more important. And at the end of the day, These are schools. These are student athletes, not athletic students. So, or uh, students who happen to be athletes. Uh, The student comes first. And again, it's just, that's what's more important. And it's the same thing with college sports in the fall when that gets ready to roll around. And that's been a mess today on social media for a variety of reasons. And we have a lot of idiot people out there on that too. But when you're more concerned about the athletic side versus the student side, 
you're wrong. And if you can't see that, I can't help you. Let's move on uh, a little bit here. Virginia Tech recruiting has had a pretty negative week. Uh, I'm not even getting into names because I'm done with names. My New Year's resolution that I didn't make at New Year's, and this is like a new life resolution, is I'm not talking about individual kids. I'm not worrying about who we got or who we don't until they put their name on a piece of paper. This verbal commitment stuff is so wishy-washy, and it's only getting worse. Once they're signed, once they're, you know, somehow locked in, then I'll worry about who we got and who we don't. But I'm not worrying about it until then. Then we still might lose them to transfer, transfer quarter. Heck, we lose a lot of those. But at least I won't waste my time about some great quarterback that we're supposed to have that's going to bring everybody from the state of Texas with him. And then he decommits, and, like, everything turns upside down. I'm done with it. I've, I've always followed recruiting i think less in years these recent years just with kids and focusing on other things but i'm really done worrying about individual kids until signing day yeah um i think i have sent stuff to you before along the lines of i hate our fans and it's almost exclusively in the offseason about recruiting uh it it drives me bananas that people get excited about it and just start heaping praise on all these high school kids. And the second they decommit, it just one eighties. And then the always positive people are always surprised that the other crazy loons, of uh, the fan base <laughs> then turn on the kid and they're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you were turning this kid. I'm like, well, I mean, what did you expect? Like it, I, there, I have a lot of problem with how we do recruiting today. I, I have a problem with the look at me attitude of it, of like, Hey, I'm willing I'm whittling it down to the, my top 20. Here's my top 20. Top eight's coming out in three weeks or whatever. I'm like, nah, just let me know when you pick. Like, I don't need this countdown of nonsense. And then yeah, I don't the same get, kids get upset get then when fan bases get mad because they they sit there and they're like, oh my gosh, you didn't pick our school. And they're like, oh my gosh, why are you so mad? I'm like, well, because you've, <laughs> you've suckered along a fan base for how many ever weeks? These people are insane. They're looking at high school kids' Twitter pages for recruiting news. By definition, they're insane. So you have to understand that when you put that out there. Um, yeah, I don't. I really with particular with, what I've loved with this particular recruit is uh, we've been singing his praise right since he verbally agreed. Virginia Tech Twitter has been amazing about promoting him. Oh, we've got this kid coming. He's going to be beast Texas to VT. All this stuff. He decommits what happens the next day, whether it's related or not, extremely tone deaf. Virginia Tech football's actual Twitter puts out a tweet of one of their coaches being like, we focus and target kids who are hard hat mentality. If you don't like the weight room, if you don't like this stuff, then yeah, we don't want you here. I'm like, wow, extremely tone deaf for a kid. You have been singing the entire offseason. The day after he decommits, you start talking about hard hat mentality, which apparently is just taking off the hard hat and letting someone hit you in the sledgehammer until you have enough CTE that that makes sense to put that out on Twitter because I don't get our staff. Again, it's extremely tone deaf. Just when you think like you see Justin Fuente on Twitter, he's having fun on Twitter and you think, Oh, okay. Maybe they finally got it. Uh, that comes out and you're like, Oh, Nope, there it is. They're still stupid. Yeah. I maybe it was in the can ready to go, but maybe someone should have reviewed it before it went out because yeah, you, everything's about so the image of these kids, stupid. and obviously, I mean, they're they're so worried about promoting themselves. Of course, they're going to look at what you're promoting out right after. And so, yeah, 
my optimism about him still coming to Virginia Tech is at zero. Oh, he's and, not coming. Uh, no, he's gone. I saw I saw someone, you know, we got some some kid from Kansas again, which should make you happy. And it was like hashtag Kansas to, to VT. And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. that's the end. That's the end. Well, I'm yeah, they put up a bunch of great rushing stats. Yeah, they put up a bunch of great rushing stats from the Big 12, which is known for its vaunted defense, where it gives up 50 points a game. So I'm sure that'll translate well to the ACC. Yeah, so I'm I'm done worrying about this. Uh, you'll notice it in the podcast. We're going to talk about recruiting less until signing days because it just, it just doesn't matter. I'm, it burns me every time. Every time. When does it pay off? Yeah, and look, don't get me wrong. Still celebrate. Right when he signs, I'll, I'll still have the same happiness that yeah. everybody else has. But when he actually signs, and I'm not going to deal with this heartbreak to a point now. Like, I was going to say, don't get me wrong. Wednesday was rough. Yeah, Wednesday was rough. Don't get me wrong. I was super disappointed that he decommitted on Wednesday. And unlike some of the other people, like, oh, you know, we respect you. You'll make the right choice. Hashtag Blacksburg's home or whatever. I'm yeah. like, dude, hashtag, hashtag, he's in Auburn. Yeah, he's going yeah. to Auburn. They've got a bigger bag than we do. That's fine. Um, I mean, that's what makes me mad, though. And that's why, like, this fuels my fury is that, I mean, he's going to go to Auburn or he's going to go to LSU where it's it's already been done before, man. Come to Virginia Tech and do something different. And I just wish one of these kids would do it. Come, come win us a national championship and walk on water for the rest of your time in this town. And instead of go to Auburn and be, just be another Newton kid. Shadow, yeah. Go to LSU. You and me and Joe Burrow shadow these kids that promote themselves at age 18. Did you know who Joe Burrow was last August? Did you know who Joe Burrow was 10 months ago? I knew who Joe Burrow was after the Texas game, which I think was like week two or something. Yeah. Yeah. You learn about him in September and then he goes on to be the Heisman winner, the number one pick. And so you don't need to be popular when you're 18 to have all the success in the world. So just chill out and I'm just done. I'm done. I'm done with that stuff. So um, let's move on to baseball. Let's move on to baseball. Uh, they have released the owners have released a proposal to the players. The players are going to look at it tomorrow and then we'll find out pretty soon if we're going to have baseball or not. Uh, there's a lot of problems with this, though. Uh, the players uh, in spe- uh, specifically one on Twitter, Sean Doolittle put a very lengthy thread on all his worries and uh, potential concerns about going back and starting major league baseball in July in home parks. Uh, He said, it seems, uh, and I'll just read the first part and I won't go into every single part of the thread, but uh, bear with me, but it feels like we've zoomed past the most important aspect of any MLB restart plan, health, protections for players, families, staff, stadium workers, and the workforce it would require to resume a season. And then he talks about, you know, the health concerns. Like, we don't know a lot about this virus. There are reports that the virus does a number on people's lungs, kidneys, liver, internal organs, uh, even for people who don't show symptoms, which if you're an athlete, that's kind of a big deal. It's a big deal if you're a regular person, but especially if you're an athlete. Uh, And then the number of adequate testing. How do you do that? And he goes into a whole laundry list of problems here. And then you see Buster only on his Twitter tweeting about also this says folks working in baseball operations departments have been surprised at how little conversation there's been with MLB about potential complications. 
one of many, many examples. Will players traded from one team to another require quarantine? I would imagine there's not going to be a... I I imagine if they restart, you can't trade players this year. I would imagine that's got to be part of it because I don't know how you make that work. Uh, In an 82 or 80 game season or whatever it is, that's not many games, period. You've got a pandemic. Probably a bad idea to be trading players anyway. Uh, Another thing to worry about is what happens if somebody tests positive? Because if one person tests positive, it's going to be more than one person. And so how do you make that work in a clubhouse? Um, how often are they going to test them? This is There's a lot of stuff we don't know yet. I'm very interested to find out. I can't believe they're even entertaining the idea of playing in the home parks because for, I don't know, the Yankees, Mets, Dodgers, Marlins, it seems like a really bad idea. But for the Marlins games anyway. Uh, Orioles, even Maryland's going through the same stuff we are in Virginia, pretty much. Fans, though, aren't they? Yeah, there's no fans, but why are you playing in the home ballparks? What's going to happen when I these players go to a hotel? With their families, and that brings up to how do you protect the families? Yeah, how do you protect the families? They're, are they staying in hotels? How do you protect the hotel people? Because the hotel people are going to go about their regular lives, so if they get exposed to coronavirus and then come back to the hotel interact with the players in any shape, way, or form, spread it to the players. Okay, there's a lot of ins and outs here. And again, Leland, it goes back to what we said at the top. I love sports. Sports needs to be the last thing that comes back. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. I mean, I, I'm trying to come up with a way to, <laughs> to argue with you just to make this a debatable thing. But, like, I agree. I, I, I agree with all the worries that Doolittle has. I agree with all the issues you have. I would hope there's answers and what they're presenting to the players union and everything. I Money. would hope that there's some kind of explanation to many of these. And if there isn't, then they shouldn't be moving forward. If there is an explanation and to most of them, and there's still certain aspects that are getting okay, but you get, you gotta, you gotta bring at least like an 85% version of the plan here. And I guess what we've read, what we've seen, hasn't really presented 85% of the answers. So I'm hoping there's more information there that gets presented to the players' union, and and that's what they're reviewing, because you can't move forward on 30% information. Yeah, what's ironic is the part that's going to kill this isn't all that. It's going to be the money, because MLB's national and TV local TV deals generate about $3 billion dollars. Players are due approximately $4.5 billion in salary for the 2020 season. So, again, if you don't have fans, there's not that extra money on top of it. This is according to Brendan Clancy on his Twitter. Uh, They would need the players to take a 33% pay cut just to break even. And I don't think the players are willing to take any more pay cut than they have already agreed to at the beginning of March. So... Again, not likely that we get Major League Baseball, but for different reasons. And I don't know. I I understand the player's side of it. I understand the owner's side of it. Again, this is why sports needs to be... It's just the last thing that needs to be on anybody's mind. I I know it's a distraction for a lot of people. I know it's entertainment. But it's a distraction and it's entertainment. It's not a necessity. So it needs to be the last thing that comes back. It'd just be strange to me to to for to see any baseball happen this summer and not be Major League Baseball, and just the just the basics of what you laid out for Major League Baseball. It just seems like it seems like major hurdles, and maybe we'll learn a lot about this. Yeah, well, a, those problems time, are, 
yeah, those problems for Major League Baseball would be any baseball league anywhere uh, at any, you know, national, uh, state, or local league would have to face. We opened up talking about VHSL, and that included baseball, and and you see what happened to them. Let's, uh, Let's just jump ahead to the C block. All right, C-Block time here on the Yak Sports Podcast. We've been doing brackets. We've been going long with brackets. So we're going to narrow down our list a little bit and just talk about favorite stuff uh, here for a few weeks in this in this area of the podcast. We're going to start with some video games. We broke it down to two categories and kind of a, a favorite five list. So this isn't the best. We're not establishing these are the best video games ever made. It's just what our favorites are, and we and we do think they're very good. But you know, we're not trying to argue that uh, you know Super Mario Brothers is the is the greatest game ever. Though we might get to that. Um, but uh, we're just talking about our favorite influence on us and uh, how much we've enjoyed them. So let's dive into this. And since we're a sports podcast, let's talk about sports first, and then we'll jump to just video games in general. And Joe, let's talk about our top five. Uh, favorite video game sports edition right here okay so when we get to the top five you'll notice a theme so i'm going to start with my honorable mentions here uh honorable mentions nascar is coming back i I loved me some nascar video games uh the ea sports series when they had it was pretty good uh in particular i liked nascar 06 total team control i thought that was the best one they had um not for the team swapping in the middle of a race which i thought was weird but you were allowed in your career mode to customize your car they had a long list of sponsors you could put you could customize the paint job on the car i thought that was really fun and then nascar rumble for playstation one was a lot of fun too that was just kind of a zany weapons while you're driving around with race cars on uh you know street roads or whatever kind of deal that was kind of fun um FIFA is going to get an honorable mention. It's not going to make the top five for me, the FIFA series. NFL and NBA Street 2, those were fun games. But now to the top five, starting at number you five. Game? You, you like the NBA Street? Like, that surprises me. You're not that into the NBA. That surprises me you like that. Yeah, well, Michael Jordan was in NBA Street. Um, back number <laughs> five, we're going to put Backyard Baseball. Uh, really fun computer game. Uh, where you had little generic kids that they would make, uh, and then they had the Backyard Kids, which are fictional kids that the Humongous Entertainment Company made, and then you had the pros in the 2001 and 2003 versions of the game, well, and subsequent versions after that, of the game that they would make. Uh, Sunny Day did the play-by-play, and Vinny the Gooch with color commentary on those games were hilarious. And uh, let me just... Before I know you've got your hands up, you want to say something, but if you didn't pick Pablo Sanchez with your first pick, you were a stone cold clown. <laughs> uh, so my number, I like, I like where you're at with backyard baseball, and I have a similar for my number five. I hear at number five, I have Hot Shots Golf, uh, and I think Hot Shots Golf Two was actually the one that I had, and I put a lot of hours into that game. I didn't enjoy the PGA games when I was a kid. It was I may be too realistic and just a little too slow, a little too boring. I like golf. I liked golf then, but I just didn't enjoy the video game. Uh, and you played Hot Shots Golf, 
and maybe it was a little easier and it was, you know, funny stuff going on. Um, and so I played that game a lot. Since then, I got into Tiger and I really enjoyed playing Tiger, especially the one at the Masters course. And I played a lot of that. But Hot Shots Golf's my number five. And uh, yeah, I dumped a lot of hours into that game. I loved it. I remember the first time I hit a hole in one. I remember the first time I had a, um, uh, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on the double eagle. Um, uh, why am I blanking on my word? I don't know. Um, an albatross? An al- yeah, sorry. And Altros, I hit a, I hit it in on a par five on my second shot. It was amazing. Um, I think you could record the videos then. This was probably right when that kind of happened on video games. Man, I'd show that to everybody that came to my house. <laughs> wow. Okay. I never played Hot Shots Golf, so I don't, I can't Good. speak to that. If you but, like backyard baseball, it was, it was in the same vein. Yeah, backyard baseball is fun. Um, and then I will say this: when you're playing backyard baseball, and it, as an adult, the only way to play backyard baseball, because it's the only way to give yourself a challenge, is to play on the hard difficulty and then turn errors off. Not because it's going to help you in the field, which uh, is moderate, but it helps the computer. The computer doesn't have a lot of goofy errors. And basically then it's just you're hoping you hit more home runs in the computer. And if the computer, if you're playing the team, it's usually the Yankees that has the kid named Chico Papas. That kid is going to hit a dinger every time you pitch. There's nothing you can do about it. You just got to hope you hold them to three and you hit more. Um, the, the one drawback about backyard baseball is you couldn't hit that annoying little Chico Papas kid when he would take you deep for like the fourth time in a game. You couldn't throw at him. Uh, the ball would just go right through him because he's uh, actually the devil, I think. But moving on to my top five, <laughs> we're going to go to another baseball game, Out of the Park Baseball, made by Out of the Park Developments. Uh, that's a computer game. It's a tech mostly text-based simulator. Uh, it's the one where <laughs> the uh, simulation we've been doing that we haven't kept up with. <laughs> it's that game. Um, I have a lot of fun playing kind of it. Interesting. We failed. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it, I have a lot of fun playing it. It's super in-depth and super fun. It's the most realistic uh, game, I think, in terms of just the amount of depth it has and how much you have to go into it to be able to run your organization. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You can play real uh, modern-day MLB. You can go back in time uh, and start historically at a point in the his, in the past of baseball. Or you can create your own fictional world. I've done all three. I have fun at all three. Uh, I, in my fictional world, I've got uh, four levels uh, of promotion relegation for a baseball league in the United States. It's I have a lot of fun with it. Uh, and then I've also created a few other leagues around the world and they meet in a semifinal, the league champion from the top league in the U S meets the other league champions from around the world and they play a world champion tournament. Uh, but anyway, uh, out of the park baseball, if you're into baseball and into kind of the GM role of baseball, I highly recommend that game. So my number four is kind of where I plug in my racing game. And the one I spent the most time with uh, was Need for Speed 2. It was on the computer, though. I think it was made for mm-hmm. PS1. Mm-hmm. Um, um, man, I played that on the computer a lot. Dumped, dumped a lot of hours in that game. Uh, this was probably near the time Napster was coming out. So I was downloading illegal music nice. and then playing this game on my computer. Mm-hmm. And I rigged it so I could play the music from that I was downloading you know, had downloaded while I was racing because I'd already heard enough of the racing game and all that. 
and I would just cruise forever. And so Need for Speed 2 was a great game, had the McLaren, had all the great cars. Um, this was before you had Hot Pursuit, getting chased by police and all. It was just, it was just racing. Um, I mean, the graphics on it probably now are just monstrous. But I, that game made me good at race games. I mean, it got to the point where, like, I, I didn't play a lot of racing games in college and stuff. And one time I came back from being gone for a weekend, and, and my roommates were working on one of the new, the new for Speed game. Um, I forget which one it was. And uh, they're, like, going down this mountain, and, like, they couldn't get – they couldn't win the race. And, like, you had to win that challenge to move on. I was like, yeah, just give it to me one, one time. I'll just try, you know, just see what I can do. I nailed it first time. And they were just like, how – how did you do, like you play this game? I was like, no, nah, it's kind of the first time. It was just like I got really good at racing games because of Need for Speed 2, so I have them here at number four. It's interesting. I never got into the Need for Speed games. Um, NASCAR Rumble is the closest like a street racing game I ever really liked. Now we had Gran, Turi- Gran Turismo. Yeah, I didn't um, get Gran Turismo. Your car got damaged, and it uh, you just had to spend money. I'm so cheap, even in a video game, <laughs> I don't want to spend money. And then uh, the other one, I think, was Forza Motorsport came with an Xbox 360 when we bought it one time. We played that a little bit, but I, I never got into those games. Yeah. My number. I like th- that one. Yeah, my number three is MLB The Show. Uh, I love these games. I play them. It's one of the few games I buy every year is MLB The Show. That now the park baseball. Um, FIFA is starting to get that way, but I might skip FIFA next year, depending on how it goes. But anyway, I loved the road to the show mode. This year, they've kind of made a thing with uh, Diamond uh, Franchise Mode where you can uh, change the branding of an MLB team and make it the closest, like, relocate them, but not really. I don't know. It's kind of complicated to explain. Basically, you just change the logo and the uniforms however you want, which is kind of cool. But a team in Charlotte, is that what you're doing? Uh, Richmond. <laughs> We're the Richmond Cougars. But um, You got a better stadium than they got now? No. Uh, well, Yes. Yes, we do have a nicer stadium than the Diamond. Um, but it's it's a fun game. And I again, it's a PlayStation exclusive. I love MLB The Show, uh, and I, I have a lot of fun playing it. Like you with Need for Speed, they've done this thing where you can take music from outside the game, put it on a USB drive and import it, and use it as batter intros, home run music. Um, I've done that. Uh, we'll touch on some of those songs maybe when we get to, eventually to our top five songs list. Um, but... Or at least one of them, probably only one of them. But uh, it's, uh, I have a lot of fun playing it. This year, they also added different ways you can basically taunt the other team as you're going around the bases on your home run trot, which I love. (laughs) Which I love. I got got some of that. Yeah. What's your number three? uh, My my number three, I feel like reordering them just so I can, I'll, I'll get back to it. But my number three is Madden 95 for Sega Genesis. Wow. Uh, Didn't play Madden 95. Madden 96 was my first. Yeah. Yeah. Listener Ron is actually, he gave it to me. He got, I think 96 or something and just was like, yeah, you can have it. And I played the heck out of it. Nonstop played that game after he gave it to me. I thought it was the coolest thing having that game, playing football. That was like the first year that you could even see there was numbers on their jerseys. It wasn't the right number. It was just like eights or something. I mean, it was so bad at graphics. But I played that game nonstop. It had John Madden uh, um, as a color commentator, Pat Summerall doing the play-by-play. I could still hear their voices from that game. Um, I was always the Steelers, obviously. I put Rod, I would switch Rod Woodson to defensive end, and he would just sack the quarterback two or three times per set of downs. 
So, like, basically you could just three and out them with three sacks and have them point. I mean, and that was, like, on hard difficulty. It got it was so bad with that. If I was playing somebody else, my playing my buddy Steve, he wouldn't let me do that. He's like, you can't put Rod Woods in a defensive end. It's just it's impossible to play. And so uh, it was it was a fun game. Uh, I really felt like it had – that was a year it really had jumped in quality of gameplay and, and everything. Madden 95 was a big game changer. And that really got me into football uh, PlayStation games. Before that, I had never really played any. And I thought that game was great. So, uh, you know, and then, you know, Madden, since then I've played. I've had a couple Maddens here and there. Um, none of those really stuck out to me. I always go back to 95. I've probably put more hours in that game than any other ones. NFL Blitz was an honorable mention on my list, one that would have been outside the top five. But I love playing that game because it was just an arcade game. It was always competitive. No matter what you did, you you were encouraged to enter cheat codes before you go in. So we'd enter the same one, so at least it was even. So it was like unlimited throw-in distance, all this other stuff. But we'd have the same codes, and we'd go. And it, no matter what, it was basically whoever had the ball last had a chance to win the game. And it was just all came down to that. It was just fun. I, it, was a, it was a fun game to play. That was one that, like, it had kind of passed, and we went back and played that game a lot. I think it was, like, early college I was playing that game a lot. And it, it, was, it was old rosters and stuff. But it was just a fun game to play. You know, maybe a couple cream sodas involved. But that, that was a fun one. That was an honorable mention. But Madden 95 kind of got me all started for it, my number three. Mm, okay. I'll touch so on why... To Ron for giving me that. Yeah, so. I'll touch on why I didn't include the Madden series here in a... Well, at number two. Uh, number two, I have NCAA football series. Uh, love those games. Playing NCAA football 14 uh, now uh, because we don't have real football or real sports, period. Uh, uh, I'm enjoying the heck out of it. I'm doing my coach career. I'm an offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, which surprisingly, uh, my Protestant roots did not come up in the interview. But luckily, I've been able to... Did you Wake Forest? <laughs> yeah, I left Wake Forest. Also, That's didn't come up there sad. that I'm not a Baptist. Yeah, didn't come up that I'm not a Baptist. Uh, this is something that's funny, though, that, like, you know, we want sports to come back at the right time, but we are a little star for sports information. I know about your NCAA 14 coaching <laughs> career right now, where you've been, and now where you're going. Like, I feel like, I mean, I, I already knew what you're talking about. Because we talk about your your coach mode. On, yeah, on uh, be still an offensive coordinator, but at Notre Dame, we're one and zero. We're five and zero. Next game is against uh, not important. Oh, Kansas, we're gonna kill him. So we'll be six and zero. The quarterback, the backup quarterback, Leland. I did, haven't told you this because obviously you just found out yeah, I'm at Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Yeah. Uh, my starting quarterback at the beginning of the year was perfect for my system. I run a lot of read option. I'm playing on Heisman mode, and the best way to handle the computer is to just throw multiple options at him and try to confuse him. So that's what I try to do. Uh, but week one, my starter gets knocked out. We're down 21 to our rival, also in the top 15, Michigan State. I'm number one in preseason. They're number 15. It's at Notre Dame. They knock out my quarterback, who is great at running the read option. He's got speed. Well, the backup's a pocket passer. And I was like, well, there goes that plan. Uh, down 21 in the fourth quarter, we complete the comeback and win it in regulation to win that game. The rest of the games have been easy, breezy, beautiful Notre Dame. Uh, but You got John Moxon in there coming in off the I, bench. Dude, he's, he's number one in the Heisman race now. And I'm like, wow, I think <laughs> when this other guy comes back, I'm just going to ride it. Like, he's too good. 
Uh, but I love the NCAA football games. I think one of the reasons that the NCAA football franchise has maintained its popularity all these years is one, we haven't had it in six, seven years. Two, when it finally stopped was right before all the, what we'll call, I don't know the correct term for it, but EA Sports calls it ultimate team stuff. Uh, that was before that took over. And since then, that's why Madden doesn't even get an honorable mention for me because the Madden games now are unplayable for me. I hate them. The gameplay is stagnant. The franchise modes, which I love playing in Madden, that's the mode I want to play the most, or the career modes, those are have either plateaued a long time ago or gone downhill because they're more focused on Ultimate Team because they can make money inside the game from people on Ultimate Team when people spend money to get more coins and spend on players and make their teams better or whatever, which is just goofy dumb to me. I don't get into that. Um, MLB The Show has that a little bit with Diamond Dynasty, but it's so easy to get the stuff required to play the Diamond Dynasty stuff without paying for it. Just by playing other modes, you get stuff for that. Unlike in Madden, um, that it's not, it's not as much of a problem, but I don't even know what you're talking about. So that's, that shows you the last time I played Madden. Yeah. So because they have focused on that and gone away from the other game modes, it's, I, I cannot stand Madden anymore. NCAA football stopped before all that. If NCAA football ever came back, I would hope, pray that that wouldn't make an appearance in NCAA football because if it did I would just know not to buy the game because I know it's going to just totally collapse on itself and they're not going to focus on the other modes it's never going to get any good Um, but NCAA football man what a ride it is and a lot of fun Uh, NCAA 14 is the mode I'm the one I'm playing now but I think if I had to pick a favorite version man it'd either be 07 with Reggie Bush on the cover or even 12 I think it was that had uh, Mark Ingram on the cover both very fun versions of that game. We'll we'll have more to say on it here in a second. Uh, my number two, World Series Baseball 95. Again, Sega Genesis. Such a good game. This one really advanced baseball games. This was before Triple Play and what mm-hmm. EA Sports ended up doing with Triple Play and then rolling into MVP Baseball. Uh, I, I had versions of those. I had a lot of baseball games going through. I mean, you already had a couple on your list. I had them too, but World Series 95 was the one I spent the most time on um you could just it was it, it really advanced I had before that I had baseball games there was the Roger Clemens baseball there was RBI baseball uh there was sports talk baseball for Sega Genesis that I actually put a lot of time into uh with 1991 rosters but this 95 game had 94 rosters um I got it pretty new and, and that was off the strike year and so I was really excited about baseball being back and, and everything. I was a big Ken Griffey Jr. fan. He was great on that game. It had classic rosters. Um, now, you couldn't, you know, it wasn't everybody. I mean, there was a limited amount of information on this game. So you had those classic guys, and that was it. But, I mean, it was just cool to have some of those classic players. You hit home run. You could do cartwheels around the bases. You could, like, press the different buttons and cheer or blow kisses at the opponent or do cartwheels and stuff. And you didn't get beamed for it or anything. But it was just fun to do that. Um, there was a home run derbies. It was just really advanced baseball games a lot in that in that year of it. And then 96 was just a cold repeat of the 95. So that's why I put a lot of credit on that 95 game. Uh, Steve Cash, I'm going to call him out directly. Former, He was on the podcast before, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I already referenced him to talk about playing Madden against him. 
he borrowed this game for me from me after I was already playing like triple play baseball, you know, like moving on to something else, like on PlayStation. That's how good this game was. But like he had it forever. And I was like, dude, I gotta get this game back. Like I gotta, I want to play this game. Like, even though I'm playing better games now, I want to play this game. And he kept not giving it to me, not giving it to me. And he gave me back my own game one year for Christmas. He gave it to me. He wrapped it up in tinfoil and gave it to me as a Christmas gift. Cause that's how great a game it was. And it was awesome. It that's wasn't funny. even mad. I was just happy to have it back and thought it was great that I had it back. I think we probably went and played it right then. So World Series 95, absolute. When I think about playing baseball games, think about triple play. I mean, I played an entire season with the Florida Marlins in 2000, in the summer of 2004 with Mike Lowell and the gang down there, Dontrell Willis, everybody, the ones that ended up winning the World Series that year. Um, we played an entire season of that one summer. I still think of the World Series baseball. I still put more time into that game. Because it was just awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about old baseball games. Reminds me of MLB 99. Um, I think that was the first. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was the first baseball game I might have played. And that would have been for PlayStation 1. Um, Cal Ripken was on the cover. Uh, I do remember vividly my brother hated Vin Scully in that game. Because Vin Scully... Vin Scully would tell me where he was throwing the ball. So I would know to send my runner back if he was, if he was going to get out. But if he was throwing to third to try to fool me because I had been running back to third, Vin Scully would say, the throw to third. And I would just keep sending the guy on home. And I would go, I hate him. We need to shut him off. He's stupid. Blah, blah, blah. It was great. Um, But anyway. I'm talking about an answer. And it was, it was, probably one of the mvp i don't know actually um it might not even have been an ea sports game but like buck um buck martinez was one of the guys on the game it could have been like a triple play baseball or something i was gonna say i couldn't and tell you yeah it was I, I don't remember it was like yeah. buck martinez was one of the announcers and you would hit the ball and the other announcer would say <laughs> and i gotta slow down to say this right oh buck he crushed it but it didn't sound like he was saying buck and so, like, I mean, it was basically just serve serve it up to hear him say that, and it was like every time it just made us giggle. Uh, so that was that showed the maturity of the, of that year's game for baseball. Oh, Buck, he crushed it. <laughs> um, my number one, another baseball game, the fourth one out of my top five. It's MVP Oof. baseball, uh, in yep. particular, the last MVP baseball they made. They had owner mode. Owner mode was so much fun. Um, that is something that I cannot believe MLB the show hasn't tried to replicate because to me, that was the one thing EA sports had over it. And again, this is before EA sports had a chance to introduce ultimate team to stuff and ruin the baseball game that they made, uh, which sucks because I think MVP baseball is probably the one thing that EA sports did best. Uh, and with that owner mode, I remember playing just, I think I would take over the Mets because they had a lot of really good players that cost a ton of money. And when you're in owner mode, you're basically starting your stadium from scratch. So you're going like tiny, tiny, like maybe 30,000 people can go to your games. So you have one of the smallest ballparks in the league and you just shed payroll. That's, that's the name of the game to make money. 
you go in there and you shed payroll. You start trading for like all the Pirates had a good team that year. I think a lot of young guys. Oliver Perez was one I know I'd always go get. I would trade some overpriced New York Met who was like 34 years old for Oliver Perez. Uh, the the trading AI hadn't quite caught up yet uh, at that point. So I would get some young Oliver Perez on like his rookie deal. And then you would just start trading for all the young players you could that are super cheap but good and build around them uh, so you could afford to not go bankrupt after your first year because otherwise you were going bankrupt after your first year. But it was a fun game, and I love that MVP baseball game. A lot of fun. Yeah, MVP baseball is, has been good. Uh, I, I don't want to discredit it. Um, that was good. So I'm going back to NCAA football for my number one. It's It's definitely – um, I started playing NCAA football in 2002 uh, that had Chris Winkie on the cover of it. So, and uh, that, that was the first version on PS2. I had it every single year until 14. I have, what, 12 copies, whatever. whatever that's wow. 12 copies. I didn't uh, do that. Every year. It was in July, uh, the second, or excuse me, third weekend in July on Tuesday, it would come out. I mean, it was like a holiday. It was like, consider you know i was in college then or late high school but then going into college and i was having like summer jobs i mean i'd consider calling in sick like that you know wednesday morning <laughs> like tuesday night or, or i mean it would come out late monday so i'd, I'd consider you know calling in sick tuesday just so i could play the game all day and i i think i did once or twice um i mean it was just the best game um and then also that's the game i most remember playing like with other people and that was like my college roommates and stuff so i mean when i think about college i think about playing that game and then even after college i mean even getting married the the, the last couple years of it i mean my wife bought me 2000 um or 2012 like and i don't think i bought this one the night it came out i think as after i got married maybe i didn't buy them every year after the day they came out but then i remember holding my newborn and playing the game, and I, I just thought it was perfect. And this wasn't that long ago. I mean, she's seven years old, so this wasn't that long. The priorities <laughs> were right still. And I could have her, like, tucked in my arm and still hold the controller and play. And uh, that was the last time I probably put a bunch of hours into it. I still got 13 and 14 after that um, and just didn't, wasn't able to play them as much. But, man, I love that game. Um, you figure out tricks different years. Like, there was the one year you could just block extra points like crazy. Um, you know, the pet certain pass patterns that you can run that you can just dominate people on one year. And this was early. This was like 2002 or three. I made, I was, you know, at Riverheads, I used our Riverheads roster and made the team. And, you know, I was the Heisman wide receiver, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, that's what I, I was just throwing to myself every single time. And, you know, Riverheads, you can make the team. That's And it was in a generic stadium mm-hmm. and I just made it so basic that it like looked like Riverheads um it was fun it was really fun to play uh travis my buddy from high school would like basically stop on his way home every day to play it against me um and then and like i said going into college we'd always play with roommates there was a time where i was pretty good at the game and really had some some really good matches with other people that are really good and i could dominate people i haven't been as good for a while but man i love that game and i i think ncaa football having that it just hits the right chord because that really ties college football, which just has, you know, rabid fan bases. I think that game just works perfect for that. And the people buy it and they know their team even better. And they're picking apart how the stadium looks and 
as you got to be able to play online in that game, I think was a lot of fun. And uh, I miss playing that game a lot. I miss that they don't have the updates. A big deal in that game was once you could download the rosters and update and like have names of the jerseys. And man, that was fun. You can get updated for 14. You can get the updated rosters now. I know you can. So that's how we started. It's really cool. That's how I started. I started with the 2020 rosters in 2014, technically. Um, But uh yeah i I can actually beat you on this my first ncaa football game was ncaa 98 danny werfel was on the cover yeah it was the first one i think so i i played the first one then i didn't know that um that yeah i guess before that would have been bill walsh uh and i didn't play bill walsh but uh danny werfel was on the cover al clark would have been the quarterback at virginia tech then uh i also got 2000, which Ricky Williams was on the cover, and Michael Vick was a freshman at Virginia Tech, and that was the year Virginia Tech went on to go to the national championship. So I loved it because when I simulated that year, Virginia Tech also went to the national championship. I was like, oh my gosh, it's just like real life. Unlike in real life, Virginia Tech won the national championship when I simulated it, and in real life, of course, they did not. Um, But I didn't jump to it until it went on PlayStation 2. That 2002 version was the first year on Mm -hmm. PlayStation 2, and that was when I got to it. Yeah, fun games. All right, if you're still with us, we're in the D block here on the Axe Sports Podcast. We will try to be less nerdy. So I'll go first here and talk about something nerdy. Uh, what's dominating my, my life is a show called Upload. I don't recommend it. I don't think it's that great. Wow. See, because I, I saw that and kind of wanted to watch it. Yeah, yeah I did too. And uh, it's from the creator of The Office, Greg Daniels. So mm-hmm. I had some hope. But I saw the previews and I was a little hesitant. And basically my hesitation are accurate the acting's not great the lead character is not a good actor uh there's a strong female lead who's pretty good i think she has a future uh she's also a a very good musician um but the storyline is so predictable they kind of go in directions and then all of a sudden just give it up real quick and it's kind of weird it's it's just kind of thrown together what value i have in it and why i'm continuing to watch is that it's just an interesting concept of a show that you die or you're about to die they can upload your your brains and your thoughts and your memories to a digital server and you live there and still interact by uh you know phones and virtual reality with the people that are still alive and so you basically kind of live forever but you know it's all based on money and you go to you pay for nicer places and this and that and uh horizon again i have to announced letters very clearly there horizon is like the main company and they're bad but it's the nice place you have to pay a lot of money for it so uh it's it's just it's a lot of interesting things there's a lot of innovative thought um and and there's funny things there's there is value in watching it i'm not gonna say joe don't watch that show but i'm just not giving this a recommendation like i do every other week about another show or other shows that i'm watching it's not that great but it's an interesting concept I really don't care where the story goes. Mm-hmm. I just like kind of watching the futuristic aspects of the show because it's it's relatable futuristic. It's not so far out there you can't relate, but there's some unrelatable things just with the technology they're using. So it's interesting, and it's a lot of you know faith and um, and life after death kind of uh, themes going on, and and it really examining those. And I, I I do think there's interesting thoughts that come out of it. I 
just don't think it's the greatest show, but we've been watching that. We're about halfway through. Hmm. It's on Amazon Prime. It is. Um, so what is dominating my life? Uh, obviously, you've heard about how I've lost faith in humanity. There's a lot of things on social media that make me lose faith in humanity about every day. Uh, I see a, probably like five or four. Uh, so occasionally I'll have to find something uh, or, you know, numerous things. Rex Chapman's Twitter sometimes gives me the things that make me lose faith in humanity, but sometimes it also gives me stuff that laugh to laugh at. Uh, lots of cat videos, too, I have to watch just to be like, oh, see, not the whole world's bad. But uh, maybe we shouldn't fuel bomb places because then how will we get these great cat videos? But another thing that made me, uh, you know, restore my faith in humanity for a little bit was... Uh, a video of a choir from, I think it's 28 different countries, and I can't remember how many thousands of people participated in this. But it was they were singing You'll Never Walk Alone, which obviously, being a Liverpool fan, I like that song already. Uh, I like that song for a lot of reasons. Uh, but uh, it was really cool to hear the choir sing it, and I got chills watching it. Uh, and it was just a great, uplifting moment. Um, so if you see uplifting things, send them to me on Twitter, direct message, or text them to me if you're uh, one of the people that listens to this and has my phone number, which if you're listening to this, you probably do because there's only tens of you. But, um, yeah, send me some uplifting stuff because, again, uh, society stinks. Uh, And we'll just leave it at that. I'll now filibuster for Leland while he goes and looks at the college football conferences here. Uh, No, because there's... I want you to answer the thing that you didn't answer on Twitter. Uh, so oh my goodness. go look yeah, at these I'm conferences. Not I'm not there yet. Yeah, oh, go well, look at the conferences. Yet. Just go look at the standings on ESPN.com, college football standings. It'll give you every team in every conference, and you just look at them and just pick. Uh, I, I know most and of the teams in the conferences, but I while will you do like that, that while you do that, I will give mine in case people didn't see it on Twitter. Again, there's only tens of them, but maybe they're part of the tens that don't have Twitter. Uh, Fifth quarter ACC does uh, is a quick Twitter follow for fans of the ACC, and I love them. Uh, I'm starting to get really into their Twitter content. But anyway, they put up a thing where he says, I want to know everyone's favorite teams to watch slash support in each FBS conference. Copy and paste and reply below with your list. Uh, I just retweeted it, quote retweeted it. Uh, in the American conference, I picked... SMU, a lot of great teams in this conference for me because I could have gone UCF. There are times I root for Cincinnati, uh, but really, uh, obviously, I'm not a big anti-Navy guy, but SMU, I kind of like. I thought it's kind of interesting that they're the one college program that got the death penalty when there's been programs who have done a lot worse since that haven't. Um, East Carolina was another one I used to root for until they backed out of Virginia Tech on that game, and now they're dead to me. But that's the American. Uh, right, do you, so do you have an American? Respond as yeah. Let me respond as we're going. Okay, American. I go. Agree with you. I agree with you with East Carolina. I kind of rooted for them, mm-hmm. even when we were still playing with them. And even with uh, Coach Houston going down there, mm-hmm. I would have interest in them being successful. I like Coach Houston. I think he should go. Like, he was moving up. It's, it's part of the game. But I didn't appreciate how all that went down with East Carolina, so I have cooled on them. So if I'm going to pick a team here, that I would kind of pull for, um, because I love America. I'll, I'll root for Navy. I like okay. that they host their own bowl game up there. I, I like Navy. Uh, fine. I have no problem with any of the service academies. Um, so if I don't pick 
later. That's not the reason at all. But yeah, Navy Shipman is kind of the, the team I would pick to to win. Uh, you know, they played Notre Dame and stuff. I want them to beat Notre Dame. <laughs> right. Right. And we had that interaction. We we were arguing about Navy last year, weren't we? <laughs> I think we did. Uh, yeah. ACC is easy for both of us. It's Virginia Tech. Big- I really, and that's my thing. While we're here, this Virginia Tech fandom is the reason. Like, I wasn't quick to answer that tweet because, like, I, I just don't root for other see, teams in general. Like, here's I watch the thing: games, I'll pick it in the moment, but I just, I'm so Virginia Tech that like, I root against other teams. I don't really root for a lot of other ones. Yeah, and because I know Virginia Tech's not going to win a national championship in my lifetime, I pick other rooting interests and other underdogs. And I have a team in each conference I try to root for because I try to watch every conference at some point. But anyway, oh, yeah. got the Big, 12? Big 12, hook them, Texas Longhorns. You do like Texas, don't you? I do. Yeah, the Big 12's hard for me because I really don't like any of them. Um, man, Just hook Kansas em. State. Kansas State was a team I used to root for because they were kind of there was a time period in the early 2000s that they were on the, a similar trajectory as Virginia Tech. They mm-hmm. were getting good. They had the old coach. They were getting deep into uh, BCS talk and all that, and they were on a similar trajectory. And I was kind of, you know, rooting for them to up in the Big 12 with the Oklahomas and the Texas. You know, all of that was kind of the the one. Uh, uh, they were solid program. They weren't just some flashy up. So they're not TCU. They were a solid program, and they were trying to upturn the apple cart. So I, I, I root for Kansas State of the Big 12, probably before other teams. See, the Big Ten is – that's how I feel about the Big Ten. It's hard for me to pick anybody in the Big Ten to root for. Uh, if I had to pick somebody, though, I went with Minnesota. I like P.J. Fleck, kind of. I think he's a cool coach. Uh, and I guess I'll go Minnesota. I mean, they've gotten good recently, so I hear you. Um, the I. I feel the same way as you do about the Big Ten. In all honesty, and this is just because I have a brother-in-law that's a huge Nebraska fan, I do root for Nebraska over there. And that's like the one team that when they win, I can stomach it. Um, I mean, there was a time where I used to root for Maryland, but that was when they were in the ACC and Virginia Tech wasn't. But now, now, today, if I'm rooting for a team in the Big Ten, it's going to be Nebraska. When it comes to Conference USA, you like Minnesota. I don't know. I didn't know like anybody would root for Minnesota that's like not from Minnesota. PJ like, Fleck. I didn't know that could happen. PJ Fleck. Um, with Conference USA, there is just nobody who leaps out at me. Uh, Old Dominion. I've got the rivalry or old rivalry from the CAA days when they were in the CAA with JMU. Uh, so I don't root for them. But I'm going to go Florida International here just because I listened to the Levitard show and Billy Gill is from FIU. And apparently FIU, uh, their big thing is pause up. And I think that's hilarious. And I love it. So pause up FIU. The reason I like UAB is not because of college football. Uh, and that's not the team I'm selecting. It was when they had the twin brothers playing basketball. And the one twin brother threw the behind the back pass underneath the basket all the way down the court to his twin brother going down there, and he dunked it, and they upset somebody in the NCAA tournament. I thought that was amazing. But if I'm rooting for a team out of Conference USA, it's going to be Marshall. Um, I just knew some guys that went there through my college roommates and stuff. Um, I I guess there's a, you know the part that I feel sorry for the program of what they went through back in the 70s. Um, and they had a tie to Radford because the athletic director at Marshall ended up coming to Radford and having a good uh, – 
impact at Radford, and my sister and brother-in-law are both Radford graduates. So uh, Marshall would be the team I would root for out of Conference USA the first. Independence, uh, despite being the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame and NCAA 14, I actually in real life can't stand Notre Dame. So I'm going to yep. go Army, Black Knights. Army it is. All right, we agree on something. A uh, little less talk and a lot more maxion here. I'm not rooting for any of those other schools. Like, who cares about UMass or New Mexico? State. I hate Notre Dame. And then there's two more that I just am not fans of. <laughs> You're not going to list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know who's a little less talk and a lot more maxion here in the MAC conference. You know it's those Ohio Bobcats. Yeah, you love Ohio. Ohio is probably the team that I would give you, like, who's Joe rooting for outside of Virginia Tech? I would say Ohio next. You're right. Like, it is you Ohio, Ohio next. More than you like JMU. Like, you don't say anything bad about Ohio. And you say all sorts You're of probably about right. You're probably right. I probably <laughs> do get more into Ohio Bobcat games than JMU games just because they play varsity football. Um. There was a time period where I really liked Miami of Ohio because that's where well, that's like the rival. Came from. But I don't, I really don't root for them at all anymore. Um, let's go Akron Zips. I've been paying attention to them, and when when there's action on in middle of the week, I do tend to. All right, what's Akron doing? And they're they're terrible now. So they're not doing anything. Oh, and twelve. But, uh, yeah, Akron, good pick. Akron's a team that just just because I can imagine it being said incorrectly every time. Akron. Uh, the Mountain West Conference, obviously Air Force is in this conference, so that's a strong contender. But really for me, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, they went back from just the Warriors to the Rainbow Warriors, which I thought was cool. And I wish they would go back to those old uniforms because I know they look like they were designed to maybe Microsoft Paint or whatever. But the U and the H with the rainbow coming behind on the white helmet, it's just so unique. And I think they should just embrace it. I, I actually have a Hawaii Rainbow Warriors shirt that uh, my friend... And his wife, when they went on their honeymoon, went to Hawaii, and that was like his gift for being in the wedding and putting up with him for basically my entire life. Uh, he got me a Hawaii Rainbow Warriors shirt, uh, and I, I do wear it. So I guess that's my team in the Mountain West because I actually have Hawaii Rainbows uh, merch. You got the gear. Uh, yeah, this is another struggle for me. Man, I, I struggled this whole list. This is why I didn't do this the other day. I... It's like not one of these teams that I remember ever rooting for. Um, I don't really root for Boise State. There was probably a time in like specific games when they're playing like Oklahoma or stuff where I was just rooting for them because they were the underdog. But I they played Virginia Tech one time and I've never liked them since. Um, San Jose State, that was one of the first football games I went to. I think it was the second college football game I ever went to. No, it was the first. It was the first. They played UVA and I went over to UVA. We had free tickets. It was early college football fandom for me, and they're playing in San Jose State. So I'll just take them just because I will. Wow. Okay, that's another one of the worst programs in the country there. Um, Pac-12, I'm going to go Arizona State Sun Devils. Uh, again, Sun Devils, super unique name. They're a middle-of-the-road team, probably never, ever going to win the Pac-12 again uh, since Jake Plummer left. But – Herm Edwards is their coach now, so I love him for that. And uh, also, it's just like that. They're like I said, they're a underdog type story. Uh, they're in a lot of games. Colorado's another team that I like to root for in the Pac-12. Where I'm going. Uh, so, uh, but I'm going to pick Arizona State one. 
I got Colorado. Uh, I remember when Cordell Stewart was there, mm-hmm. and then he became a Steeler, and like he had that big hail mary to the receiver that went to Washington. Um, man, I can't remember his name right now. Um, but yeah, Colorado is a team I've always been drawn to. They were pretty cool in the nineties. They've struggled. They had since. that fifth down. Oregon State was another. Oregon State, I do end up pulling for a lot of times. There was one year of NCAA football where they had some really fast receiver, and you could do all sorts of crazy stuff with him. Um, but Colorado, that's where I'm at. Yeah, they had a quarterback one year who was really good too, and his name is escaping me. They had um, that receiver, and uh, one of my buddies, like he knew the trick too, and he was playing it, and he he would put him at quarterback. He put him everywhere but wide receiver, and he was just getting killed. He's like, maybe I should just leave him at wide receiver. And then he put him back there and like got three touchdowns. It was hilarious. Uh, SEC, this is another one. When they're playing out of conference, it's really hard to root for them. But when they're playing in conference, my neighbor downstairs is a huge Georgia fan, so I've become a huge Georgia fan here over the past few years. Uh, so I'll pick Uga uh, and the Bulldogs. Although I will say one of my favorite fight songs in college football is Rocky Top, and that belongs to Tennessee. Ugh, I'm not rooting for Tennessee. Uh, Georgia doesn't bother me, but South Carolina was that team. There was a time period where I was kind of rooting for them in the SEC just to rustle it up. They've not really been that close to that recently. I guess when they had Clown, they were it was when they were their highest. But South Carolina would probably be that first team that I'd start to root for in the SEC, and that's just because they're they're one of the have-nots. They haven't done it, and so uh, I'd probably root for them kind of first. And finally, the Sun Belt Conference. I went with Appalachian State because uh, they are what I want JMU to do. They, I want them to go FBS, and I want them to be able to compete there. Appalachian State has done that. And here's the thing. You can go to JMU. Well, what does that have to do like, with it? I thought you people hate Appy State. I thought you guys were like rivals with them. No. Um, Appalachian you, State made the step up. I was in a game where it seemed like that. Yeah, I've been to. I went to an Appalachian State game where we were down 21 points at halftime and came back and beat them in the second half. It was an insane amount of fun. But that being said, yeah, I didn't. Uh, but I was there. Um, <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun at that game. And yes, when we played them, they were. It was great football games. I respect Appalachian State. I don't hate Appalachian State. Uh, in fact, I respect them even more than I respect JMU because they made the leap up to FBS. Uh, and they didn't thumb their nose at the Sun Belt Conference like they were better than them. Uh, they went to the Sun Belt. They're number 19 in the country at the end of the year this year. That could be JMU, because if you're telling me that a team in Boone, North Carolina, uh, has managed to figure it out at the FBS level, but a team in Harrisonburg, Virginia, couldn't get the backing that a team in Boone, North Carolina does, I would call you crazy. So, again, I, I think if JMU made the leap up, they, depending on what conference they ended up going to, would have a big factor on it. But... Uh, it's not impossible to build a team from the FCS and move them to the FBS. And look, Appalachian State's not going to, you know, play in the college football playoff because it's designed for them to never have a shot anyway. But they're a team that hangs with Power 5 teams. Power 5 teams don't want to play Appalachian State for a reason. It's because Appalachian State will go in there and give them everything they can handle. So for that reason, I, I love rooting for Appalachian State. I, I root for them when they play. Also, Appalachian State beat Michigan, and God, that was amazing when that happened. So ever since then, I've kind of been watching Appalachian State and uh, pulling for them when they're playing in games. The only reason I'm saying this one is because of this story. In high school, um, 
you know, I was on the front side of all the success at Riverheads. So I, I think they just go order what uniforms they want. I, I'm sure they try to get the best deal they can, but I think they used to try to save even more money. I, I don't know how it all works. I just know one year we had new white jerseys while I was in high school, and they had this flaming uh, pepper right on our right here on the chest. And it's because they were uniforms that the Raging Cajuns out of Louisiana had not used, or, or I mean, they were I mean they were brand new uniforms, but they they had that on there. I don't know if they made the wrong thing or what, but somehow we got them. Probably saved a lot of money doing it, and they never removed those little fiery peppers off our jerseys. So we played with them on there, and I just I always thought that was cool that we were wearing college football jerseys. I thought it was it was cool at the time. And so if I had to root for a team on this list, I'm going to go with the uh, Raging Cajuns. Yeah, UL Lafayette, Raging Cajuns. That's cool. Now that now they get they got nice stuff now. I, I grew up in a different generation. We yeah. were we were paving the roads back then. That's right. And when I say we, I watched other guys perform very well on a football field to pave these roads. So. <laughs> That's right. Is there something you need to know or that you know that we need to know, by the way, before we wrap this up? Yeah. Yeah. It's only been an hour and a half. We uh, might as well. You wish it was an hour and a half, this. but go ahead. So what I know that you need to know, Norman Chad was writing an article this week for the Washington Post and his headline and then article after that only backs it up. The pandemic has reminded us we don't need more sports in our lives. We need less. I don't know what the heck that Norman Chad, who likes to cover the World Series of poker and be the funny man, has against sports. But that article pretty much lays it out that he's just not into sports. So then why is he writing an article like this? Also, why is he a sports writer? I don't understand. He's not funny. That's number one. He tries to be Kenny Mayne, and he's not. And, I mean, even Kenny Mayne gets on my nerves, but Norman Chad's nothing. He's annoying part of watching any poker on TV. Uh, and so I don't know I don't know why this got played today because this is just ramblings of a crazy person who doesn't really like sports anyway. So shut up and don't watch it. I, I, I'm not saying this pandemic hasn't isn't going to change the world and we're not going to have different priorities. But why do we need less sports? Like, why can't we just have the same? Why can't we have like, I don't see how this when it's able to get to back to normal. People. Yeah. When it's able to get back to normal, yes. we should have the same amount of sports we did before. Or more. Like, we're losing the XFL. I think there's a place for the XFL. Yeah. You know, I think there's more need for women's sports to be uh, have an opportunity to succeed. Maybe they won't. you got to have the eyeballs to it. But I think there should be the opportunity for these softball leagues that get going, for the WNBA to make it, for um, women's soccer you know, get so popular for the World Cup. It'd be cool if that... So, like, I would hate to just make a blanket statement and say, we need less sports, when we already have these opportunities not given to women's sports. I think it's important that we that they at least have a chance to for those leagues to be created and exist. Then it's up to them to survive, and that's the nature of the entertainment that sports is. But I don't see how this pandemic is somehow proving we need less sports. I'm going to cherish sports this much more once it comes back, I know if we're watching football in this fall, whether we're calling high school football on the radio for 1240 or we're watching college football in Lane Stadium or in our living room, I will cherish the blowout victories or getting blown. Out. Like, man, I'll just happy that their football exists. I won't love that Virginia Tech's getting blown out, but I'll appreciate it more than I did before 
that at least they're playing, at least there's opportunity for them to be playing, and there's a chance for me to be entertained, me to follow something that doesn't matter. Because watching sports news is a heck of a lot happier for me than watching the news that I've been watching for the last two months. So I want sports to come back when it's appropriate and when it signifies that we've come a long way in this battle against the virus. But I don't think we need – I'm ready to have as much sports come back as it can when it can come back safely because it, it's just a great form of entertainment. And I think it only reiterates it's an entertainment where the outcomes really don't matter. In the realm of life, it just doesn't matter because when life got serious, it went away. We need that break from – seriousness and i mean and how unbearable politics is these days i think you need to have some competition where a side wins and a side loses that doesn't you know affect your rights or how the planet is going to survive the next uh hundreds of years like it's just good to have wins and losses that don't mean life or death for those around you so uh, you say that you say that we lose to uva again i don't know maybe we, it all day. maybe we don't need sports <laughs> yep uh but anyway that'll wrap it up for us here on the Axe sports podcast uh how make long sure were we tonight? what how long were we tonight the listener needs to know we're about two hours they know uh if <laughs> if you're following us on twitter at yak sports but we'll only do one list next week uh we thought we could fit two in and keep it less than a bracket <laughs> we were wrong uh but uh follow us on twitter at yak sports pod uh, on pod, uh, Facebook at Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. Make sure you're following us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you never miss another episode because I assure you, you'll want to see how we take one list and still manage to talk for two hours on next week's episode. So until then, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And until then, folks, thanks for listening and good night. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.